Luke chapter 8 and verse 4. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. Our Lord is at Capernaum. He is addressing enormous crowds of people. And these people are not just from the locality, but from further afield. Now, we know from Matthew's Gospel that the Lord actually delivers this parable while sitting in a boat on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, with the crowds standing on the shore listening to him as he speaks from the boat. And here we have an example of the Lord using every opportunity to reach as many people as he can with the truth of the gospel. Now we read in verse 5, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. So the subject of the parable is a farmer sowing seed in order for crops to grow. Some of his seeds fall upon the wayside, upon the hard, much used path alongside the field. And these seeds are trodden down and crushed by passers-by. So they are unable to grow. And the birds can easily see the crushed seeds and so swoop down and eat them. So this first category of soil with which we are presented in this parable leads to no growth whatsoever. The ground is compacted and hardened so the seeds just rest on the surface ready to be devoured. Verse 6, And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. So the second category of ground on which the seeds fall speaks of an area which is more rocks than soil, and where the soil that there is is shallow. This leads to very poor moisture retention. In Matthew's account of the parable, this type of soil is described as stony places. Now, there is some initial growth, but it quickly withers in the sun. Verse 7, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. The third category of soil to which the parable refers is that covered in thorns and brambles. When the seed sprouts, there is simply no room for further growth. The light of the sun is blocked out by the thorns and the thistles and the weeds. So, whilst again there is some initial growth, 
the plants never mature so as to bear any fruit. They are smothered by these wild plants around them. And then in verse 8, we read of other seed which fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. So the fourth category of soil in the parable is that which has been perfectly prepared with all weeds, brambles, thistles and rocks removed. So all the conditions are present to enable maximum growth. We further read in verse 8 here, When he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So note here how the Lord cries out. He shouts forth this statement in order to emphasise it. Because it sums up what the parable is actually all about. Are you listening properly to what I am saying? He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Do you understand what I am saying? This simple story, which I have just told, has a profound and vital meaning. Are you hearing it? So our Lord is clearly implying that this simple narrative about the seeds being sown has a hidden meaning. And that if one applies his ears correctly, he will discover that meaning. But if one does not apply his ears correctly, if his ears refuse to function aright, then he will only be mystified by the parable. So which category are you in, says the Lord? Are you going to understand this parable or are you going to be mystified by it? Our Lord is plainly implying that there are those who do not have ears to hear, who cannot understand what he is saying and who will not take any benefit from what he has just spoken. And why is this? It is because there are many hearers who do not want to listen to God's word, and who persist in rejecting it. And those who do that, actually risk God taking away from them the ability to receive and understand his truth. Every time someone rejects the Christian gospel, they are putting themselves in the danger of coming to a position whereby they will never understand the gospel. Because the more people reject God's word, 
the more they risk being given over by God to spiritual blindness. You see, no one can receive God's truth except by God's gracious drawing of them and enabling of them to believe. But in a continued rejection of God's word, there is this danger of God taking away from the hard-hearted hearer the ability to receive the truth. And so, when the Lord says here, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear, it is speaking of man's responsibility to listen when God's word is proclaimed. It is man's responsibility and the use that he makes of it that is being emphasised here. Now, straight away, hear what I am saying, or else you may soon find yourselves without the ability to understand any spiritual truth at all. If at this present moment you have ears to hear, listen and act upon it, because there may soon be a time when you will not have the ability to understand what I am saying. And we read earlier in Hebrews 3, verse 15, God says, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your heart. You may not be able to understand God's word tomorrow. Now, the various types of ground in this parable depict the human response to hearing the word of God. All people without Christ have sinful hearts, which by nature reject God's truth. But as God's word is proclaimed, the Holy Spirit drawing the sinner can cause the dictates of the sinful heart to be overcome, enabling the hearer to respond in a right manner. Now we read in verse 9, his disciples asked him, saying, what might this parable be? The disciples know that there is vital spiritual truth to be obtained from the parable, but they have not grasped it yet. And so they rightly inquire of the Lord to explain it to them. Because they decide to build upon their basic knowledge of God's word, the knowledge which they already have, the Lord will honour their seeking of more enlightenment. And then he makes this rather remarkable statement to them in verse 10. He said, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Unto you it is given to know the mysteries, the Lord says to the disciples. The word mysteries refers to truths 
which have formerly been concealed or not understood, but which are now being made known. Namely, that the Messiah has come to establish his spiritual kingdom, made up of those who are redeemed from their slavery to sin. This is the great mystery which he is declaring. Now, the disciples, with humble hearts before God, desiring to learn of him, have been granted to understand spiritual truths because they have been willing to humble themselves before God and learn. But for the rest, the presentation of truth in the form of parables rather than in plain speech is actually a means of hindering them from understanding. The parables are actually a means of hindering the hard-hearted from understanding. When men do not want the word, God does not trouble them with it. Rather, he gradually withdraws it. When men despise the heavenly means of salvation and constantly abuse it, then God must decline to submit it to such rejection and abuse. So those who persistently reject the word of God, making no effort to apply it to their own lives, may find themselves in a position whereby God has chosen to obscure the word from them so that they cannot understand it. Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others I speak in parables, that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. A parable is like a shell that keeps good fruit for the diligent, but keeps the fruit from the slothful. And so, for those who find that they are being spoken to in parables that they cannot understand, this is a form of judgment upon them. But it is also a warning that they might yet at the eleventh hour repent of their hardness of heart and begin to desire to receive God's word. Now, we know from Matthew's account that the disciples were puzzled as to why the Lord concealed his message by using parables. He answered the disciples' inquiry by stating that the use of parables was indeed intended to keep the willful unbeliever in the dark. But on the other hand, he would explain and open up the parables to the disciples so that for them the parable would become a rich source of instruction. But can we begin to see the 
danger that people put themselves in when they reject God's word. They are in danger of never being able to understand it. Because God is removing from them the ability to do so. Now the disciples have asked the Lord to explain the parable. Uh, And the Lord honours that humble approach. So verse 11 he says the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. We cannot begin to understand the parable unless we realise that the seed being scattered represents the word of God. So the disciples have the privilege of having this explanation. Now, at this stage when they receive the explanation, they are no longer among the great crowds on the shore with the Lord speaking from the boat. But they are set apart with the Lord, away from those crowds, after he has finished his preaching. So, the seeds sown by the farmer represent the proclamation of God's word. Concerning the details of the parable, the Lord explains in verse 12, Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. The seed which falls upon the wayside, upon the hard, well-trodden path, obviously does not fall into any soil whereby it can begin to grow. The birds see the seeds lying on the hard surface and come and eat them. Now here we have depicted the non-believer hearing the Christian gospel and simply ignoring it. The devil quickly snatches away the word. We often come across such people when we're preaching in the open air. A lady came by the other day and said, have you got nothing better to do? And I said, no, I haven't. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satanic blinding. The sophisticated 21st century non-believer is blinded by Satan. As long as a man ignores and rejects the gospel, he is allowing his unwitting allegiance to Satan to be maintained. If he just rejects the gospel without giving it any consideration, he is revealing the hardness of his heart. But as we have said, he is also risking it, becoming ever harder still. Just as with time, that wayside path will become ever harder and impervious to seed as more and more people keep walking along it. 
So we are being taught that there is an urgency about receiving the Christian gospel. Those who reject and keep on rejecting risk losing the opportunity to subsequently hear and ever embrace the gospel. Because if sinners keep on hardening their hearts, God himself can harden their heart so that they become unable to receive any truth. People need to realise that man left to himself would never come to faith unless God in his mercy drew him and gave him the ability to believe. How vital it is, therefore, that those hearing the gospel are not like concrete paths with seeds thrown upon them, which can never possibly take root. What danger people put themselves in as they casually reject the message of salvation through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. How dare they be so casual about such a message? To reject the Christian gospel is nothing less than to refuse to be delivered from the power of a Satan-induced darkness. We were told in verse 5 here that the seed which fell by the wayside was trodden down. They that willfully shut their ears against the word of God do in effect trample it under their feet. They are despising the commandment of the Lord, whereby they might otherwise believe and be saved. So everyone who rejects the gospel is, as it were, taking a Bible and trampling upon it. That's what they're doing. This verse 12 here, referring as it does to the devil snatching the word away, tells us that when Christ is being proclaimed, a spiritual battle is taking place. Because Satan does not desire our hearers to lose the fact that they are in allegiance with him. He wants to retain their allegiance. So when the gospel is preached, Satan is active. He's angry. He's at work. And that's why we can never go out preaching the gospel without earnest prayer, because we are in a spiritual battle. Now the Lord further explains concerning the seed which has been sown. Verse 13 they on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. The seeds scattered on very rocky ground represent a group of hearers who appear to respond positively, but who are not truly born again. They have not openly rejected the gospel. 
But their response to hearing God's word is only superficial. And they have within them no strong roots indicative of real spiritual life. They may profess to be joyful on hearing the Christian message. But it is temporary emotion. It is not true conversion. And this shows us that there is such a thing as religious excitement which is not true saving grace. And that's why we shun big meetings where we try and build up religious excitement with lots of music. Because the excitement and the emotion are not indicative of a true work of grace in the heart. It's easy to get people religiously excited, especially using music. We are being told here how the faith of the rocky ground hearer quickly crumbles when he receives any opposition or if he is threatened with ostracization or real persecution for the gospel's sake he quickly runs away I don't want anything to do with this yes he will say he has a certain interest in Christian things but never to the extent of being willing to be different from the mainstream opinion around him he will even profess to have faith in Jesus Christ But he does not want separation from the world and its philosophies. He rather seeks accommodation with the world. Relevant here are our Lord's words in Luke 14. Luke 14, verse 27. Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? You see, these rocky ground hearers did not count the cost of following Jesus Christ. And then our Lord further explains in verse 14. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Regarding the seed which fell on soil overgrown with thorns, brambles and thistles, this applies to the hearers of God's word who remain wedded to the things of this world. And there is such a category of person. They claim to be Christians, but they are still in the world. They claim to be Christians, but when confronted with major personal difficulties and trials, They do not trust God, but react just as non-believers might do. 
They say that they are Christians, but their hearts are focused on the material things of this world. Their focus is the improvement of their material condition. They live for their pleasures rather than to serve Christ. And we are being told here, this is implied, that even earthly things which are good and legitimate in themselves can become idols in people's lives. People can live for their homes, families, careers, pleasures, to the neglect of their trust in and service to Almighty God. They say that they are Christians, but their priority is not being holy people. Their priority is not becoming more Christ-like every single day. They're actually not over-concerned when they break God's commandments. But every true Christian is called to pursue a perfection of holiness. These thorny ground hearers of God's word say that they are Christians. But the progress of the gospel and the saving of souls is not high on their agenda at all. They bring no fruit to perfection. Lacking in their lives are the enduring fruits of holiness and enduring service to Christ. And we are reminded in this context of our Lord's words in Matthew 7. 20 and 21, Matthew 7. By their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And then in verse 15, the Lord comes to the seed sown on the good ground. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. So the fourth type of soil upon which the farmer casts his seed is the only one of the four which represents the true believer in Jesus Christ. The only proper way to receive God's word is to keep it and then to keep on keeping it. Because it is only he who endures to the end who will be saved. A little Christian enthusiasm in occasional fits and starts is not true saving faith. Those who have an honest and good heart are those who have allowed their former sinful heart to be changed by the message of the gospel. Indeed, those who take God's word seriously, repenting of sin and trusting in Christ for mercy, receive the Holy Spirit who creates within them a brand new heart, And this new heart 
gives them a desire to keep God's word and to bear the fruits of holiness in all circumstances. And it is such who are not enticed away by materialism and other pleasures of this world. And such are willing to endure the world's opposition and persecution. You see, if we look at the churches today, often it seems that the top of their agenda is not upsetting the world. But we are called to be separate. The very word church means those who are called out of the world. It comes from the Greek ekklesia, which means called out. So by definition, a Christian is separate from the world. So a true believer in Christ has a transformed heart which brings forth the fruits of holiness. And doing so, we are told here in this verse 15, with patience. That is, continuing to do so consistently. So our Christian faith is is not about some wonderful experience that we had in the past. It's about being holy today. It's about witnessing to Christ today. So the parable of the sower is all about how people must hear and receive God's word. They must do so in such a way that they will heartily embrace it and then bear much fruit to the glory of God. And in this parable, we learn of four sorts of ground, of which three are bad ground and only one is good ground. And this teaches us that the number of fruitless hearers of God's word is very great. And even amongst those who heard the Lord Jesus Christ himself, Only a minority were truly saved. So this parable actually gives us a very sad picture of the state of the human heart. That of those who hear the gospel, scarcely one in four ever bring forth fruit to perfection. Many be called but few are chosen. How stubborn is the heart of fallen man. What danger there is when God's word is proclaimed, but rejected. And those who keep on rejecting it actually risk losing the ability to understand and receive the truth at all. Therefore, all have an urgent responsibility to listen when God speaks. It is man's responsibility to listen that is being emphasised in this parable. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Make sure you listen 
It may be too late tomorrow. If you do not listen today, you may soon find yourselves without any ability to hear and understand God's truth at all. And so each non-Christian must ask, what type of soil do I represent? Hard and compacted, full of rocks and stones, overgrown with brambles? Or am I prepared to humble myself and receive God's word as a little child, acknowledging that I have a sinful heart which needs replacing with a new heart? For those who arrogantly reject the Christian gospel, it is as seeds scattered on the hard, well-trodden path which the birds quickly eat. Those who refuse to receive God's word are in fact demonstrating the devil's hold over them. And also, what a challenge this parable is to true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we, as verse 8 says, bearing the fruits of holiness and service to Christ an hundredfold. Not a little bit now and again, a hundredfold. Are we abounding in the fruits of the Spirit? Because that is what all true Christians are called to do. Amen.